This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Bonnie Cole Laub, who says she tilts at windmills a lot. When she and her husband, Leonard Lau, moved to Westerlo, they immersed themselves in local issues and made a difference. Now they have sold their historic farmhouse and are packing to move to southern France. We saw a wonderful community with wonderful people, says Cole Laub, of their move to Westerlo. In this community, basically, it doesn't matter what you have as long as you're good. If you're good folk, they like you. And it's been wonderful living here. I have been intrigued with Bonnie since I first met her. She is a woman that does so many different things. She lives in Westerlo, and I just found out this week they've sold their house, they're moving to France, and I thought we better catch up with her before she left. So um, I think when I first heard about her, it was back in... 2008, when the Republicans were such a small force in Westerlo, and Bonnie became chairwoman of the Republican committee and started building what is now really the dominant party in terms of town board membership. So just tell us, how, how is it that you came to do that? It's a very funny story, actually. When we moved in here, this the house we live in is the old Laux farm. And um, the woman who owned it, her father planted all kinds of trees, made a tree farm out of it. And, and he was a photographer for National Geographic. And she knew that we would take good care of this house. And uh, we moved in and we had two Russian wolfhounds, and they got out. Now, Borzoi are from another century, and so they run two miles, and they turn around, and they say, where are you? So uh, our dogs got out. They went across the street, and it frightened the woman there because her kids had been attacked by some dogs the year before. And now, Borzoi don't attack people. They attack critters, and they're wolfhounds. So we apologized. We bought him a bottle of scotch and bought her flowers. And about a week later, walking up to our door is animal control. And we got scared. And he came in and he was the sweetest guy, huge fellow. And then he just happened to mention that nobody went to town board meetings. And Leonard said, well, you know, I can go. So he started going. And I went and got very angry, so they didn't let me go for years. And Leonard's patient, I am not. Um, and we saw a wonderful community with wonderful people. And in this community, basically, it doesn't matter what you have, it's as long as you're good. If you're good folk, they like you. And it, it's, it's, it's been wonderful living here. Um, but Leonard started going and found that there, the town wasn't protected. 
And if uh, someone came in with a land grab, um, the town was so undervalued, and there were people here who were there, there, here at that time that could have supported that, the town could have gone under, and we didn't want that to happen. And we put together a group of people. There were eight couples, you know, Anita Marone, and, you know, just a whole, a whole bunch of people who were fantastic and started to work to basically save Westerlo. And yet we're new. And at one point, someone wanted Leonard to run for, for a supervisor. And we said, but we don't know. We could make a mistake and not know it because our bones aren't here. You have people like like Jack Milner. His family came here in 1822. So you have those people. So what we tried to do was bring forth people who would look out for the town. And everybody did it differently. Everybody had a different role. And it was absolutely spectacular. Um, when I was a part of the Republican Party then, um, it, it, uh, uh, um, our town justice, we had two of them that were not well regarded and we needed new ones. So we found two new ones and fellow Republicans said, but they're Democrats. I said, but they're people, you know, Kenny Mackey, you know, we, we showed him, Leonard showed him who he was. And all the good that he's done. And um, and now he's a good, you know, who would know better than Kenny, uh, whether someone's a bad person or not, or whether they just made a mistake. And you need that. You need, in a small town, you need kindness and justice and support. And and uh, we have found it here. Um, and... Uh, did I answer your question? Well, you answered it with so many layers and so much richness. I'm wondering where to go from here. I just love the statement you made about Westerlo. It doesn't matter what you have as long as you're good. But so many people that move into a small town don't dive in and participate in the government the way you and Leonard have. I mean, I think really it's a lot because of him that Westerlo just got that huge federal money to put in broadband. Um, uh, you know, Dottie Virch started it. And, you know, you know, she's just a terrier and a half. And, uh, you know, and she kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And she got a hold of Leonard and he got involved in it. And um, a, a lot of stuff, a lot of people did a lot of work. People, there are people I don't even like and can't even stand talking to that have done wonderful things here. And um, uh, it, it's just fantastic. Um, uh, my, we All we do is work. Leonard and I work. And when we moved up here, I said, Leonard, we are going to have parties. And I started having parties like three times a year. And the first time someone from town came and I was so worried because I was in the antique business and my my houses just drip with stuff. I got stuff everywhere. And Katie came in and I was afraid that she was going to hate it. And she walked into my dining room and she said, oh, this is wonderful. I felt so good. You know, and you have you. I can't even name how many wonderful people you have here. They're just fabulous. And and. Um, we're going to miss that, but we're headed towards 
south of France, over towards between Montpellier and Bézier and Narbonne, right in that, that little sweet spot, which is just under the Alps. Um, because Leonard, who is from Chicago, is tired of snow. And it's funny because I hear people say they're tired of it, but they stay here. But Leonard is done. He's, he's done, done, done. And so there's this wonderful spot. And it, the Mediterranean is right there. And the Alps are there. And there's food. Because we are foodies. We are foodies. And what's interesting is, after I closed my restaurants, Leonard decided he wanted to learn how to cook. And he's so specific, you know, because he's a physicist and he does everything very specifically. So I would tell him, you know, I, I didn't say, you know, throw some stuff here and do that. No, 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 no. Got to be more specific. And he's ended up being a better cook than I am. <laughs> he's got a way with it. He's got a great hand. Um, he's got a side his hands, the way the food responds to him. It's fabulous. So we're going to go over there and eat. So you've been there before. Didn't you live there part of the year and then come back here? You're, you're acclimated there. Do you speak the language? Uh, no, I, no, Leonard does. Uh, but I get away with not speaking it because I smile and I look, <laughs> Hungar- and I look Hungarian. And it, what you know what's so funny is because I had heard how, how rude French people are. I got to tell you, it couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, they are interested. They are practical. They uh, they drive quickly. Uh, they uh, their whole lifestyle is how we live, and and we've struggled. Um, I'm going to say something that will probably shock you. I like raw oysters and espresso for breakfast, <laughs> and so. You know, going to the Le Bourne market, which is up in the Bordeaux area, going to the Le Bourne market and, and getting and having espresso in this exquisitely clean, amazing market. Yeah, I, we were just happy puppies, you know, so, so that's what we're doing. Well, so we have an idea of where you're going. Let's go back in time and see where you came from. I remember hearing you once say you rode a horse to school, which I found. I, where where did yes. you grow up? Tell me about your, your life as a child. My dad was a builder. He built the Manorettes, which is on your own lot, a house for three, four, or five thousand dollars in the San Fernando Valley. I went to Coldwater Canyon Elementary. It was 115 in the classroom in the summertime. And uh, during the winter though, I would occasionally I would ride a horse to school. I can't. It's just unbelievable. So are you still a horsewoman? Is that something that you still pursue? I I got away from it a lot. I wanted to do it here, but then Leonard said we're going to travel and I never got quite got to it. I will over there, although I'm I'm older, uh, but I love draft horses. I don't think there's anything prettier in the world than a Blackshire horse. I, I look at them and I can't breathe. They're so breathtaking and they're so sweet. They are so cute. They're little, they're, they're, they're noses and they come over and they're, they're fuzzing your head. And oh, just 
love the draft horses. I don't think I've and ever heard anybody call a draft horse cute. They're these huge, I mean, monster-sized horses, right? Have you ever watched one try to be careful that it doesn't hurt the human? No. Oh, I, we were at the Saratoga show one day, and this boy probably weighed 2,400 pounds, and he didn't want to be there that day. So he's flooring his head one way and throwing his head the other way. He didn't move his body. He didn't move a hoof. There's six people climbing over him to make him look good. So he was protesting in a way that he could do it and not hurt his humans. And that's what's absolutely fascinating to me is how smart the critters are. All the critters are. All the critters. You can sit and watch a cat at a window or, or in your house and your cat will tell you everything that's going on in your house. You know, just all you have to do is just watch them. Do you have a cat in your house now? No, I do not. We have no critters, and I am so starved. I, I, I went to an auction house the other day to pick up some merchandise, and um, she had an, a 16-month-old German Shepherd girl there, and she was such a wonderful, wonderful critter. I, I got such a heavy dose. It was lovely. No, we're moving, so I figure we'll get an animal over there. That sounds good. what we're doing. But I am still involved here uh, with, uh, you know, the antique shop down in Westerlo, in Southwest Erlo? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ray. Um, I'm involved with Ray. He ran my estate sale a few years ago. We got involved. I had a lot more merchandise. And now um, I supply a lot of stuff down there. And he's like the Pied Piper. You listen to Ray talk and he, he just walks you through through fields of clover he's amazing and uh, so he's he moved recently uh about 600 feet from where he is and in a few months he's going to open a place in oak hill and he'll have some stuff in in um coxsackie too so how uh, how did you get involved with antiques where did that love of the old things begin you're gonna, you're gonna like this story <clears throat> my first husband harvey who is leonard's and my best friend who I've known, we would have had a 50th wedding anniversary, 60th or something, I don't know, something. We, uh, he was in, uh, an engineer in aerospace and he was temporary contract help um, because there was a lot of, and, you know, all the companies were, were, do, were getting so many contracts from the government because this was in the 60s. And um, I didn't want to do what I wanted to do, what I was doing. And so Harvey says, why don't you become a draftsman? I said, okay, teach me. So he taught me how to draw straight lines and he dummied up a resume for me. And I went over and I got a job as temporary contract draftsman. And Monday morning I reported to work as a senior draftsman to a company. After about four or five years of it, it was fun because I worked for a lock company. I did, I'm mechanical. So it, it's not hard for me to, to pick up what a drawing is. I can read a set of plans. So I wasn't really bad doing that. I was repairing other people's drawings, so that was okay. Um, but after about five years of doing it, the government closed up aerospace. And I turned to Harvey and I said, every time I take a job, we take a job, there's a guy with five kids who can't get a job right now. I said, we got to get out of this field. And I happened to stop at a flea market and I bought some fabric. And a guy talked me into going and I opened an antique store. 
And all I did was empty our house out. And Harvey ended up owning the largest movie prop house under roof, maybe in the world. It was 140,000 square feet, 40 foot tall ceilings, and, and, and the, the sofas were stacked high. His, even his lighting department was 10,000 square feet, and it was four levels up. And um, uh, that was the time a number of years ago when there were a lot of strikes in L.A. And L.A. is a company town. It was just for movies. But you had the, the actors went on strike, and then the next year the directors did. And his monthly nut was $240,000. He just couldn't keep it up. You know, so he lost a, he's back into it and he, on a smaller scale, but um, just, I love the fact that somebody can create something. You can think about it. I, I read your articles. I remember asking you a couple of years ago, whether you enjoyed doing that because you do them every single week and you put your heart into it and you put your mind into it and you put your experiences and other people's experiences. It's a lot of hard work that you do. And, um, but you have love for that. You love that. I have love for shapes. It's all mathematical. It's how does that shape and form work? How does this work? How does that work? How do you know a piece of granite is going to hold together the whole chemistry and mathematics and why sizes fit and the artistry of what it takes to know these things. Have I made you completely crazy now? No, I think that's fascinating. This love of shape. So when you're packing up this beautiful house that you've amassed all these treasures in over the years you've lived here, how are you deciding what you're going to take with you that's very interesting. I have a yes, no, maybe uh, thing. The stuff that's that's yeah, yes is real easy. No's are easy. Maybe's make you crazy. That's when people get stuck when they pack, is they don't know what to do with the maybes, and it stops them from doing everything. So I separate them. I separate them, and I watch them, and I look at them. Leonard, I for. Two months, I'm in the kitchen, and I'm looking around. What do I want to take? What don't I want to take? And and it slowly gets down to a much smaller amount of stuff. So what is happening to the nose? Where Where is... I'm, I'm selling them at Ray's. I'm consigning them over at Ray's place. Um, and among the... His, go ahead. I was just going to say, his new little store is so cute. It's all fresh and clean, and he's got a side yard. It's where the the, the big eye uh, gallery is, and um, and Ray does so much good for the the neighbors. He's a whole force down there. He's wonderful. So among the yeses, is there yeah. a favorite object that you can describe for us, and why that holds that place in your heart? Leonard? No, the yes items. <laughs> the- <laughs> now, Leonard's my first number one yes item. Is okay. Leonard. Well, let's talk That's about it. that then. How did the two of you meet? How did you get together? Oh, you are not going to believe this one. You are, not, you know, you, you can't even make this stuff up because it's so crazy. Okay. So, my best friend in LA was Ilana. Ilana's father swam the Rhine to get rid of away from the Nazis 
with his brother, who was Leonard's father. They were interred in France. Yvonne is my friend. She's in her 20s. She calls me. She says, my cousin Leonard, his mom and his brother are coming. I'm going to meet them for the first time. She comes back. She tells me about Leonard. I meet Leonard a few times. And I'm just I'm thrilled that she's got more family. Uh, uh, he has parties at his house. Uh, I wasn't invited because I'm not a party girl. Every one of my friends had been to Leonard's house but me. Except that one night I went to a party and I had so I figured later I had 150 years of people there. My ex-husband was there. My cousin Mitch and I went together. I, I had so, so much history there that I actually really relaxed. And Leonard and I started talking. We had never talked before, but I had translated his letter, his letters to her for uh, because He's technical and she isn't. And she wanted to know, she didn't know how to write back to him. So I would translate the, the, the way he was speaking. So I knew a lot about Leonard before I even knew him. And um, so we're at this party and he and I start talking. And he's talking to this other lady who's really sweet. And I'm very friendly, you know, with people I know. And so I didn't think much of it. But my cousin Mitch wanted to go home. And Leonard said, I'll take you home. I said, okay. Mitch leaves. He's got my keys. I have to stop over at Harvey, my ex's house, where my son is, to pick up a key. And, you know, and we go back to the house. And I have a dog. I have a Russian wolfhound who doesn't talk to anybody. I turned to her one day and I said, I feed you. I take care of you. When I come home, you have to say hello to me. She says, okay, I can do that. She was my son's dog. She didn't talk to anybody. Leonard comes in and sits down and my dog comes over and sits down and starts batting her eyelashes at him. <laughs> so we always say that my doggy Pio chose Leonard for me. That's how I met Leonard. That is and a great story. I, I actually have an addendum to that. Okay. So many, many years before then, when Harvey and I were married, um, I met this woman and her husband who were older at the time. And they had a daughter in, in Chicago who um, was dating a guy and her parents didn't like it. So the guy and his friend helped move her out. That guy was Leonard. And how did I find that out? Because they're now in California and we are invited to a party. And he tells me, oh, my friend Arno has, is having a party. We have to go to this. And I thought, well, maybe you really don't want to take me to this party <laughs> because it didn't end well. The kids came and, and took over the parents and I never saw them again. You know, they just went to the kids. But, um, you know, the, the stories are crazy. Really yeah. <laughs> well, before talking to you today, I just typed in your name, you know, to see what comes up. I do that when I'm about to talk to people. And here you were with quite a long feature story in the New York Times on, in 1994. There's a picture, and now I know this is a Borzoi. There's a picture of you and Leonard standing by a mailbox that says Bray, uh, Braylock. Yes. I'm taking, I'm guessing that was the name of your home. Yes. And the story is about how you got 
the post, maybe you should tell the story. Tell us, <laughs> tell us why, okay. why you were pictured there. Okay. As everybody who lives in New York knows, the area that you live in does not mean your children go to school there. Does not mean you get your mail there. Uh, you can have, so we lived in an area, we lived in Bedford, lived on Suckabone Road, which is a 300-year-old joke. Um, the natives, the, the English came and they called the natives the Suckabones. And so we lived on Suckabone Road and we had lovely, wonderful rural place, except that our zip code was for Mount Kisco. So not knowing that, when we transferred our driver's licenses, the postmistress, who was really crabby in Bedford, sent it back. Insurance papers went back. Lots and lots of stuff. And at that time, Leonard used to get, in paper form, 220 technical magazines a month. And so it was a disaster. So we made an appointment, took a while. I yelled a lot. We end up sitting down with the postmaster at uh, in Mount Kisco and said, well, you know, why don't we do this, do that, do that, do this. And it's all act of God. But then Leonard came up with, uh, can we add another town name? He said, sure. If your town will go for it. Our town was so grateful. And so Leonard created Bedford Corners. He went to the town board meeting like four days later. And they passed it in three seconds. You know, it was 10 seconds probably. But they were so grateful. And what we what ended up happening, though, is we raised everybody's taxes because they're not in Mount Kisco anymore. They're now in Bedford Corners, which can be tax higher. But all the mail calmed down. <laughs> it's just such an astounding thing that is one couple you took this on. So um, I don't know. Where do you get your moxie? Where do you get your... Um both of you, the sense that you can do things? Um, it's actually a problem with someone like me because I tilt at windmills a lot. Um, doctors who tell you things are wrong with you that aren't. Um, we had somebody who um, and I'm, I'm going to say, Leonard warned me not to say anything negative. I'm going to say one thing. If you are going to have somebody called your trees, double check that you're going to get paid for it. Because there's a guy floating around who doesn't pay people, but he takes their trees. There are a lot. We do not live in a just world. And I've never really minded being wrong because I always learned from it. But I hate injustice. I really do, just like you do. Uh, you, you, that's why you tackle this all the time. That's why you have that paper. You know, I, I can see in your face when I talk to you. Well, I remember when we first met and we were bringing something to you and you didn't agree with this at, at all. But now over the years, you see that Leonard and I really try to have pure hearts and, 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 and do good things. You do too. And um, that's where it comes from. Um, I actually had a procedure done at a hospital and they were terrible and I can't get them to pay attention and they're huge. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm leaving town, but I'm still thinking, what am I going to do about these people? What am I going to do? Um, 
I hope that I've protected somebody from not getting uh, ripped off by this tree person because they'll pay better attention. That's where it comes from. It's like, how dare they? How dare they? Um, and I've always felt, I don't care what two people do with each other. That's their business. But you don't hurt somebody older and weaker and you don't hurt the kids. If you do that, I'm going to come after you because I just, I can't stand it. You don't, you don't have the right to push people around. You just don't. I like that philosophy. And you do have the sense of looking out for the community, both of you. I, I know you helped. Well, Leonard's been amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know that he was accused of, of stealing when he had the keys to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, town hall. He was accused of taking stuff by someone who no longer is a part of this community at all because he was afraid that Leonard, he wanted to be supervisor and he didn't want Leonard to be. No, I didn't know if that. If you've ever seen, but I've never seen the stuff we have, we, um, at one time, I said to Leonard, this was many years ago, I said, and I was technical, I said, we have 28 different things that tape. And they all work differently. I can't figure out any of them. <laughs> you know, we have so much stuff. We're going to take a machine from the town hall. Yeah. And he accused them. But I meant like your sense of uh, protectiveness. Like you were part of the movement when Anna Perkins no longer was the doctor in Westerlo right. to find right. a replacement. And, um, it just seems part of a pattern of, you know, if there's a need like broadband or um, yeah, a doctor yeah. or uh, a zip code that matches where you live, uh, most of us kind of complain about it. Maybe write an editorial if you have a paper. But I mean, you get oh, out. Yeah, but you, you influence. Your influence is profound. Never, 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 never. Deny but, what you do. Uh, well, what I meant is you get out and do it. So I'm just wondering, like, in your childhood, as you were riding a horse to school, or where, like, where did that sense of I can make a difference and I'm going to do it, where, where, where did that come from? My grandmother. Tell me about My her. My grandmother, she was 185 Mack trucks going forward. My dad was about 90. I am four compared to my dad's family. I am a gentle flower okay. compared to them. <laughs> my, my dad would get up at four in the morning, take a bus ride out to the golf course, caddy for people, take a bus ride, go to school, come back and come back after school so the money would go to the family. Wow. Yeah, that's where that comes from. So I'm really... Um, when, and it's funny because some people say that I'm aggressive. I'm not really aggressive. I'm assertive, you know, energy comes off of me, but that's a family thing. But, um, I see a lot of people, the, 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 getting the doctor, a lot of people did, did a lot of work. Uh, there was a nurse and I can't remember her name right now. And Kenny's wife, um, they, uh, they worked very hard to find a doctor. We didn't know how to do that. They did that. We worked to try to get the place back. The hospital was terrible. And and it all became because one guy decided to buy a truck instead of not pay his rent. And the whole thing blew up uh, on that property. 
years ago. You know the story. Yeah. I, I, wow. Yeah, I won't go back into it. But um, everybody does it in a different way. Uh, when when I, I used to talk to Anita, um, what was amazing about her. And this is Anita Marone. Marone, right. Who what died of COVID. Do, oh, go ahead. I have goosebumps. Anita could see things way in advance of them happening. She didn't know the shape of them. She didn't know what it was. She would say, this isn't right, and I don't know why. But she could see, she could sense an energy so far in advance. And and I don't know if you know, she, she went to board meetings, sound board meetings for like 20 or 30 years every yeah. time. No, I would see and, you there. Yeah, no, and, and when nobody else was doing it. Um. I'm really sad. You know, I'm a 60s gal. I am so sad the way our country is set up right now. Even in the 60s when when we were against the Vietnam War and the, all this stuff was going on, never have I seen such divisiveness. Uh, at first, I thought it was just people were angry about the political correctness and they were tired of it. That's what I thought it was at the beginning. But now I see it's just a license to be ugly. It's a license to be bullies. And um, the best thing that's happening, this, this probably is the biggest change probably since World War I. Because right about when World War I ended was when cars came in. Machinery, machinery had started in the 1850s. The end of the Victorian era. Look at the way the clothes changed from the from the teens to the twenties. That period, electricity came in. Uh, all it was a huge change in the way humans lived, and we're in the middle of one right now. And I don't know how it'll end, but I'm sad for the process. I'm sad for the ugliness. I'm sad for the bullies. Um, my family always thought that I would go to jail for killing someone who was a bully. Um, and it's still not impossible, but it's a pretty tough thing to see the ugly people out there. It's, it's pretty tough. It is. Yeah. Our time has gone so fast, and I hate to end on such a sad note. Oh, okay, then I'll tell you something wonderful. Oh, good. Send I'll us out. You, I, Send us out I'll with something you. wonderful. Absolutely. The Westerlo Library, in spite of all the junk that it's gone through, has maintained a wonderful thing. I, Leonard told me one night he was coming home, and all the cars are parked around the library because the parents are sitting with their kids so they can get the Internet. And the library held up kids learning before the internet came, and you know, and it will come. It will come. But they would the, the the fact that our little tiny library does all this wonderful stuff is fantastic. It is. It's like yeah. the engine that could. <laughs> the little yeah, engine that could. Yeah. 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 And Laura, Laura Tenney was my vet, and she was a wonderful vet. And you know, she did. All kinds has done all kinds of things over there, and other people too that I don't know, but I see that, and they let us use our, their space when we wanted to work on getting the flags hung. Um, yeah, 
good people. These were the flags to honor the veterans that you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Bonnie, for all you've done for the town. And we wish you. We've got to thank Leonard. Leonard, Leonard's been there. Both of you. We wish you much happiness in France. (laughs) And I can't wait to see what the two of you do for whatever town you are in there. (laughs) It's going to be. Thank you. Interesting. Thank you. 